started a jam-packed July schedule by taking a gamble, but that gamble paid off with some late fireworks and a very valuable road point. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to Inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest team news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. We have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting. We also go by the name of Miami Total Football Radio. My name is Franco Penizo. I am one third of your hosting team. And we are happy to have you guys back with us this week. A week that's been pretty eventful for Inter Miami. Not only are they gearing up for the next edition of what I call, or what I dub, the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol against Orlando City. But they also made another addition, a key MLS addition for the second half of the season. Of course, we're talking about Alejandro Pozuelo. So we will dive into all of that on this week's podcast, as well as recap the most recent game against FC Dallas, which ended in a 1-1 draw on Independence Day, July 4th. Speaking of Independence Day, I hope you all had a good time celebrating that, be it with your friends, family, yourself. Hope you had a good holiday weekend. Speaking of the holiday weekend, let's start with El Primo. Steve, how was your July 4th? How did you spend it? I know you watched a little bit of the Inter-Miami game, but how was the rest of the holiday weekend for you? It was it was fun. I was in West Palm Beach, glorious West Palm Beach, Rosemary Square. Don't know if you've ever been there. It's very nice around there. Uh, just chilling out with the family, not doing a great deal a little bit to drink a little bit to eat and then yeah caught a little bit of the uh of the game as well and we were wrong that we said that <laughs> who, who's gonna go to dallas and watch a match on july 4th and yeah there was a great crowd there what do we know we know absolutely nothing That's the answer. <laughs> what a way to to start off our podcast by saying we know absolutely nothing which hey maybe that's the that's the correct the correct slogan uh well listen we, we talked to some people today yes it was definitely a full house apparently FC Dallas's fireworks that they do post game on July fourth. That's a big, big reason for a large turnout. But they did have a very significant turnout. So yes, we got that one wrong. Jose Armando in the house, aka Island Jose, aka some people still call you Cinco. So I'll just drop it in one more time or a couple more times here and there. <laughs> Cinco, Jose, how are you doing? How was your holiday weekend? Um, doing good, doing good. Happy to be back. I missed the show last week. Um, my 4th of July, you know, it, it was it was pretty normal. I, I think I did rest a lot this year. Um, my dog hates the fire, fireworks, and so, <laughs> you know, that, that's always big here around my house. And so, uh, but yeah, I think we went to the park early in the morning and um, obviously late at night. You know, when you have a game at night, it's since in my house, everybody loves the game. We enjoyed the anticipation of the game, and so we were really excited about Inter Miami FC Dallas on a holiday. So uh, we watched the game, and overall a fun day, no we, doubt. We exchanged quite a few WhatsApp messages during the game. We were doing a July Fourth uh, analysis in our WhatsApp group of, of every second of the game. Is practically it felt like because we talked quite a bit. But anyway, let's 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 just jump right into it because we've got quite a lot to talk about, and we will start. As opposed to analyzing the most recent game, we will start and jump right into it with Alejandro Pozuelo. So, let's get to it. Okay, guys. So, let's jump into this week's big news regarding Inter-Miami. And that's that they 
have made another summer addition. Another summer, I won't say signing, but it's an acquisition. They traded for 2020 MLS MVP Alejandro Pozuelo from Toronto FC in exchange for landing the 30-year-old Spanish midfielder Inter-Miami gave up $150,000 in general allocation money that's divided evenly between 2022 and 2023. So, $75,000 in general allocation money, also known as GAM, this year, and then another $75,000 in GAM next year. So, there are certain incentives that can make those numbers go up if they're performance-based incentives. So, if, if Pozuelo matches them or meets them, then Inter-Miami has to pay Toronto FC more. We don't know what those are. Chris Henderson didn't give us a whole lot there with regards to, to what they are. I think he even said he didn't want to disclose what they were. So, all right, let's just get into it, starting with Primo. What do you think about this addition of Alejandro Pozuelo to Inter-Miami? Well, you know, I think it's exciting. I think Phil Neville was excited about it when we spoke to him earlier today. You know, I think he's the thing is, he's 30 years old. He's had a you know good career. Real Betis, Swansea, Rao Valicano, Genk, probably uh, played in Toronto as well. So this isn't like a emerging talent. This is a guy. I think Phil never made the point before that he's just ready to come in and, and play once he gets his visa sorted out. So, you know, a number 10, and uh, you know, and he, you know, Phil Neville again said about the lack of goals. And this is the guy just to make that final pass, to have that bit of creativity, which they have missed and never really sort of had, have they? So it gives them a lot of different options in, in attack. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see him play on, on a consistent basis. I'm sure I've seen him in the past, never really caught my eye. But um, yeah, from, from everything, everyone that we're speaking to today, it's uh, they're very, very excited to get him. And I think was it DeAndre Yedlin said that, you know, he was he's the guy. Sometimes players were texting him saying that he's the best player they've they've they played against in, in MLS. So um, yeah, interested to see how he gets on. Island Jose, your thoughts on Alejandro Pozuelo as a summer as a summer addition for Inter Miami? Um, well, yeah, I think it. I, I do agree with 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 Steve. I think it's 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 a great addition. I think we all have been around the subject of. Um, how much does Inter Miami need a number ten? Um, we we have gone through that conversation. Um, I can recall. Um, I think Franco. I think it was you that said that said that mentioned before that they don't necessarily need a ten because they don't they don't play that way. They don't play through the middle. They play through the wings. Well, now that you have a ten, mm-hmm. um, I think you need to. We need to give Phil um, not a break, but an opportunity to show what this team can do with a 10 now, because now you're going to have options through the wings and options through the middle with uh, with Pozuelo. I think it's a great addition. I, I I still have to wait and see how he's going to play within, you know, the the, the tactics, because right. um, I, I think. Robert Taylor is a very good player, but he's playing out of position. And I don't think that's going to happen with Pozuelo, but I just want to wait and see what what Phil thinks of him on the field to make a full evaluation of what this really means for Inter-Miami. But 
I think the scenario that we are all thinking of is Pozuelo playing in the middle and giving the final pass, and and that's what he mentioned today. So if that is the case, I think it's it's going to be a good addition. I'm not 100% sure that this is going to be enough for them to make the playoffs. I will still say that they will not make the playoffs, but without a doubt, it, it's an exciting player and one more reason to go to Dry Pink Stadium to watch him play. So obviously, in my opinion... I agree with both of you. I think it's a, a very good addition. It's a move being done, in my opinion, to really try to push them over the hump and above the playoff line. That This is the move that they think can help them get there. And look, before I even get to, to the next point, he's a player that can both score goals and assist. So he, he brings dual threats to the attack now attack that's struggling attack that still is one of the worst in mls in terms of goals scored so they now have a player that can pull the strings that has better vision to to find teammates in the final third and that can also score himself much much needed weapon in the arsenal now that being said i thought it was very interesting that in the press release there was no mention, normally there's a mention, but there wasn't in this one, about Inter-Miami looking to sign him to a new deal. That they're working on trying to sign him to a new deal. His contract expires, the deal he's on right now, the deal that he was on with Toronto, that carries over now to Inter-Miami, expires at the end of this season. And Chris Henderson was asked about that today in a press conference on Thursday. And he was non-committal about bringing Pozuelo back in 2023. Says something along the lines like, well, it depends on the status of other players that are currently on Inter-Miami's books, but they're out on loan. And that goes to the likes of Rodolfo Pizarro. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's mostly Rodolfo Pizarro that he's talking about. Rodolfo Pizarro, Matias Pellegrini, and Julian Carranza. Now, we can try to surmise why Chris Henderson did not say anything about the future of Pozuelo at Inter-Miami beyond this season. You know, maybe they still have to negotiate with Pizarro later on, etc., etc. But I thought I, I think it's a possibility that Pozuelo is just being looked at as a, as a stopgap or as a quick fix for trying to help the team make the playoffs this year. And that does not necessarily mean he returns next year because he's 30 years old, still has enough there that he can play a few more, few more years, but maybe Inter Miami wants to go get a different type of number 10 or a number 10 that could be even better or could be younger. I mean, there's there's a lot of pieces there that we could look at, but Jose, I go back to you. Why do you think, or what is your read of Inter Miami's commitment to Pozuelo beyond this season? Well, initially I thought, you know, it might be, a long-term situation, like I think with with uh, Coco, um, but after listening to the press conference this afternoon, I think it's more about this this year. And um, you know, it's it's pretty clear that as of right now, there's there's not a plan to bring him back until uh, for for next year. And you know, I think it, that. It obviously adds up to the situation with the sanctions and, and how the budget uh, for the team is going to shape up next year. Um, what, what's going to happen with the with um, uh, roster spots for, for designated players? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's more about this year. 
And I don't want to say that he's quote unquote on trial here because I mean, that shouldn't be the case. Obviously he's an MVP and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. But um, I think it's all about this year. They, they want to make a push for the playoffs. I, I think they, they do believe they have enough talent, uh, especially if you surround Campana with a player like Pozuelo. You can imagine Campana to be just a little bit more involved and a little bit more effective and stay in the box. And 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 maybe going back a little bit, um, I can't remember the name of the Brazilian that they wanted to bring in during the offseason. But they were they were very close to signing a number 10, and they were not able to do that. Um, so they had this plan of bringing in a player. Maybe this is the final piece, and that's the way they see it. Things work, work, work out for both sides, obviously. You know, something must be worked out. But I think it's a, it's a good scenario for Chris Anderson because he's going to get the opportunity to, um, to see Pozuelo here with Inter-Miami with this group of players. Most of them will be back for next year. And so... You know, it's going to be a good trial, and again, quotes, but quotes on trial um, for both sides. And, you know, if it works out, I think we're going to have enough time to see if it works out. Um, I think everybody's going to be on the same boat, and we're, we're all going to want um, him to be back, just like the same situation with Campana, right? Almost everybody right now wants him back next year. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I have a funny, funny question for you, Jose, just you specifically, later on in the podcast. Now, look, again, bigger picture, longer term plan. Pozuelo right now is 30 years old. He will turn 31 on September 20th. This team has obviously been built around a young core, a foundation. You could have a player of his age as part of that longer term plan. But I don't know if I think that they do. I think, again, like you, I think it's a shorter term plan with him now if he comes in and absolutely crushes it this year with inter miami i have no doubt that they try to bring him back for another season maybe two but i think i don't think he's part of a very long-term plan as part of the long-term inter miami project that's just again my sensation my supposition me reading between the lines of not only what they said but what was in the press release and just what i think their overall approach is i think that he is just for them this year the piece that they think will help push them into the playoffs. Because if Inter-Miami makes the playoffs, if, Jose, before you start taking my words out of context here, if Inter-Miami makes the playoffs this year, then it's a success for them. Given that they've done a complete roster reconstruction, if they make the playoffs, they've, they've, they've succeeded. Anything beyond the playoffs is the cherry on top. And I believe the Brazilian player you were referencing from preseason that they were linked with is Rafael Veiga. That he scored in the in the Copa Libertadores final uh, at the end of That's last it. year. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, yeah. He scored four uh, Palmeiras against Flamengo. So, Steve, do you agree that you think this might be a short-term solution to the number ten, or do you think there's a chance Pozuelo could stay in with Inter Miami for much longer? I think it's too many unknowns, really, isn't there? No, you know, you know, this is a it's a big season for for the club. They need to get in, into the playoffs. If they don't, then, you know, I think Phil Neville's contract is also up, isn't it? Is that is that right? Uh, at the end of the season. So I, I think maybe it's a, a wait-and-see approach. Uh, we You know, we don't know. The, the deal does sound like quite fragmented, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, um, related to appearances and goals or whatever, assists and stuff like that. So maybe they're just taking a short-term approach from it. Hopefully that he'll, he'll come off and he'll, he'll want to stay. You know, it's an attractive 
good, decent move for him. Um, but maybe all the parties are just keeping their, their powder dry, so to speak, and not committing into a multi-year deal and just, just seeing how it goes. It is a bit short-term, but I think that's just the way they're looking at it. I'm I'm going to, since I'm a stickler for details, I'm going to be annoying here for you, Primo, cause, because last week when we were talking about your boy, Quarantan Jean, uh, we talked about where he would play. And based on everything we had heard and, and read, it was that he was going to be a winger or a striker. And you insisted that he could play the 10. You insisted. And that's, one of, that's what I was told. That's what I was uh, told. Okay. But, but then I, I told you, I was like, well, may, I told you, just thinking, thinking out loud, I told you on the podcast last week, I was like, well, maybe there's been a, some wires have been crossed there. Maybe there's a 10 that's on the way. Because now it makes more sense if you were told that there's a 10. Because Quarantine John, again, from everything that, that we've read, everything we've seen, is that, he, that he's not a 10. He's a winger or, or, or can be a striker. Now there's a 10. Now there's a true 10 on this team. So I think maybe there was some misunderstanding there. I could be wrong. Maybe Quarantine John comes in and plays as a 10. But again, I don't, then they wouldn't, I don't think that would make much sense to have Pozuelo and John, uh, John at, the, at the same at the same. In the same window, but so are you, are, Steve. Going back to you, do you think he will be a ten? Because I asked Phil where he thinks he sees him. Phil Neville did not give a, a really direct response with regards to that. He he, he said because I asked him, I compared him to you know, does he see him in the Bryce Duke type of mold in the four three three where Bryce Duke plays like a hybrid eight to ten, not really a true attacking midfielder, but not really a a central midfielder. Kind of does a little bit of both functions, or. You know, does he see him as a ten, just an attacking midfielder? If so, does that you know does that require the formation to change, or might we see Pozuelo on the wing like we did with Toronto FC? What do you think, Primo? What do you think? Again, just based off of what we heard today, and you know what you've seen from Inter Miami, what do you think? Where will he play? Where will he line up when he's eligible to play? Because again, as of right now, he's waiting for his visa to be to get clearance in order to play. Inter Miami today said they hope it's as soon as possible, though they don't know that's not in their hands. So, primo question to be succinct: Where do you think he plays once he's eligible to be on the field? I think he plays in that number ten role. Yeah, just just off just behind the striker, maybe. And you know he's the man that they're just looking to to feed it through to to give the assist to, to Campagna or, or whoever else is up, is up there. But yeah, he's he's the playmaker, the man the man that's going to provide the assist for these mountains of goals that's going to going to come <laughs> flooding in right now. So so you think the formation changes then? Because right, again, right now Phil's preference as of late has been a four three three this past weekend, notwithstanding where he changed the formation. We'll dive into that in a bit. So you think they they get they move away from the four three three? Well, he did say he liked the four three three today, didn't he? So exactly. He so, have, I guess. Where, where does he play? That's that's why you know it's it's, it's interesting. Like, it's like a like a sort of triangle three in the middle with Gregorio and Mata, and then just Pozuelo just sort of floating in around behind mm-hmm. Campania, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I'm not okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Depends. That's possible. That's, depends. that's it, yeah. That's possible. Can he can he be put on? Yeah. Can he on on the wider thing? I'm not sure. I don't know. He, he he's played on the wing with Toronto, and he's been effective at times but not it's not his preferred position and I believe I believe if I'm not mistaken that he has said publicly he prefers to play more centrally so I'm with you though I think I think that he will play as just reading between the lines from what Phil Neville said and Phil Neville said you know he's more of a 10 than Bryce Duke and that they want to play Pozuelo in that final third to get those passes to 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 take create chances for himself and others 
They want him in that final third, and they want him in as dangerous positions as possible. So that, to me, leads me to believe that he will play as a as a 10. As a 10. How they go about it, do they change to a 4-2-3-1 formation, or do they stick with the 4-3-3? That's what's to be determined. I will say as of right now, again, you said it. Phil Neville did make the remark that he likes the 4-3-3, that the team likes the 4-3-3. I think it could be with Pozuelo as the, the tip of the triangle, and then you have two holding midfielders behind him, be it Gregory and Jean Mota, Gregory and maybe Bryce Duke, or Gregory and Victor Rio, whatever the, the, the game calls for. But I do think he will play as more of a, a true number 10. That's just my my opinion as of right now. I don't I don't rule out that there's a possibility for a change in formation. Again, to that 4-2-3-1 where he plays in the hole behind Campana. But... I would say 4-3-3 as of right now, and he he occupies that 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 advanced spot. Bryce Duke comes out of the lineup. Jose, your thoughts? Uh, well, when it comes to the lineup, I think you know there are several options, and 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 they're all very good. They're all very positive because remember you're adding a, a talented player, and, and that gives you so many possibilities. But I do agree that um, you know he should be playing in the middle. He should be playing as a ten. I personally, I would like to see Inter Miami play with one defensive midfielder and just keep Bryce Duke in the lineup. I mean, he's exciting to watch. He brings a lot of football. And, um, you know, in terms of the building, having Pozuelo and having Bryce Duke, I mean, it could be really interesting. But I understand that that comes with a risk. And um, I don't know if Inter Miami is ready to do that. I, mean, <laughs> I was going to say, do uh, you think Phil, Phil Neville's going to flip the switch just like that yeah. and go that attack-minded? Phil, Phil has been a defensive coach, and right. so that's why I said for me. For right, me, right, I right. Mean, no, no, I got I it. I heard you, yep. I, yeah, I would be a little bit more aggressive if you want to make it to the playoffs, but then again, that brings risk, and, and I don't know if Phil wants to take that risk, but that would be exciting, at least at home. And I understand, and I think he did mention this today, you know, um, I, I asked him about tactically how he's going to shape the team up from now on, and and he said, at times, we're going to be a little bit more technical, and at times, we're going to use our pace. And, and that's fair. That's fair. I think that's a, that's a good point. Um, and I do believe the team, they do have now enough talent to go through the middle whenever they want to, if they do have Bryce Duke and, um, and Pozuelo. I, I don't think that Jean Mota is doing enough right now. I mean, he was a big signing, and I think just overall he hasn't been that impressive. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that he has been inconsistent because I think he has played uh, 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 at the same level, but not enough. Just not enough. He he does a lot of things good. Right. His, his performance levels have been steady, but it hasn't been where you right. thought they would be or where we think they should be for a team that brought in a, a central midfielder. I agree with that. I agree with that. So I would, I would, I would, I would take a risk, and at times, especially at home, I would take John Mata off the starting lineup and bring Bryce Duke and Pozuelo and leave Gregory. He's your captain, and well, we all know what Gregory brings to the table. So I, I mean, but think about it. It it, it would be exciting, right? I mean, I, it would be exciting to watch an offensive-minded Inter Miami. I think it's a look that we could see in circumstances where Inter Miami needs a goal or is looking for a goal. I think that's, you know, I, I don't think we'll see it from the start. Like you, I agree that I think Phil Neville, 
I don't think he's going to flip a switch and all of a sudden become a very attack-minded head coach. I think this piece allows him to be a little bit more attack-minded, but I don't think he's just going to, you know, be that much more attack-minded. So I think I don't think it's likely that we see Pozuelo and Duke start many games together with just Gregory behind them. But I do think that's an option that we could see off the bench at some point in certain games if Inter Miami's either trailing or on even terms and and looking to to win it late. And one one more thing. I think this really helps Robert Taylor because when you have so many talented midfielders... um, Now now he has to play on the wing. (laughs) Yeah, then you don't have to improvise with a player that's a winger and likes to play there and shows every single time that he plays through the wing that... You know, he can do a lot for this team. And so um, I think it's going to benefit him as well. And right. hopefully that's the case, especially after what we saw against Dallas. I think, you know, that that was that was that was enough for me. I mean, like I'm done watching Robert Taylor in the middle. I know he can play several positions, but please just let him enjoy his football in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. Let him play on the wing. That's where he wants to be, and that's where he's really, really good. Well, we will get there in just just a moment because there's one more thing to touch on with regards to to Pozuelo. Last thing I want to touch on, then we'll we'll change gears to the game, this weekend's game, this past weekend's game. Pozuelo is occupying a designated player slot now. He is filling the slot that Blaze Matuidi left vacant because the other two DP slots are on Inter Miami's roster are currently filled by Gonzalo Higuain. And, although he's not on the team right now, he's on loan to Monterrey, Rodolfo Pizarro. Now, we explained in a pod, woof, many months ago, why Pizarro's still a DP on the roster, even though he's been loaned out. It has to do with financial terms. They weren't able to get enough money to remove the DP label off of him for the season. So, he still counts as a DP in very layman terms, or as layman terms that can make MLS's complex and silly rules. However, the fact that... Pozuelo is now occupying Matuidi's DP or Matuidi's former DP spot, the one that was freed up by Matuidi's exit, to me raises questions once again as to how Inter Miami was able to part ways with Matuidi this year. Because the team, if you remember back to preseason, Chris Henderson had a press conference in preseason and when he was asked about Matuidi and his future, you know, Phil Neville said he would not be an Inter Miami player this year. There were rumors that he was going to go to France, that they were going to try to send him to France to a, to a club over there. Chris Henderson in that press conference, all he said was, we, or basically what he said was, we hope to have a statement soon. And then that statement never came. We never saw an official statement from Inter Miami via its Twitter handle, via a press release, nothing. All we got was later, weeks later, Phil Neville answering a question to a media member saying, Blaise Matuidi has been waived. And that's it. Yet, Blaise Matuidi, as we all know here on this podcast, is still around Inter-Miami. He is still in and around the club. Not as a player, but as a club ambassador. And I don't believe, I don't think, he's doing that out of the kindness of his heart. I believe he's, I mean, this is just, again, not, not information, just supposition, but I have to believe that he's getting paid something for this because I actually ran into him and I I think I've said this on the podcast if I haven't I'm saying it now but I'm pretty sure I have and I'm repeating it now I ran into him before the first game of the season against the Chicago Fire season opener he was doing a you know a club appearance with his Inter Miami polo 
and he was taking pictures with the fans at the pregame tailgate. And I saw him, and I talked to him for a couple of minutes, and I was like, hey, man, how are you doing? He, and he was like, hey, I'm good. And I was like, what's going on? Are you, are you retired? He's like, no. He's like, I'll see what happens this year, and then after that, I'll reassess my options. So I'm still a bit curious as to how Inter-Miami was able to free up that, that DP spot. Because MLS teams, can they just waive DPs? Is it, is it that simple? I don't believe so. And I asked Chris Henderson today in the press conference. And Jose, I know you got a kick, as I did, out of the response. Because what was what, how would you sum up Chris Henderson's response to my question about Blaise Matuidi? I don't know. It's, to me, it was it was really, really bad. I mean, I, I, it, it was it a non-answer. Better. It was a non-answer. Yeah, it was it was like basically the, the question that he, he listened was, I mean, how, how's how's Blaise Matuidi doing? That that was the question that he listened. <laughs> that's listened. what he heard, or that's what he, I guess he interpreted. Yeah. That's how, I mean, I know I know he heard the question. Chris Anderson's a very smart guy. And, and listen, kudos to him for finding a number ten for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money. Uh, you know, in the middle of the MLS season, someone that's been an MLS MVP. Uh, he knows that he he heard. And I have to imagine that he knows, like that. I was asking directly, how you how did you work out the Matuidi thing? But all he pretty much said, and I'll paraphrase it here, was that Matuidi's had a great career. He's been a great ambassador for the for the game globally, and as I and other reporters have seen, he's around the club and making making appearances. That's all he said with regards to my question as to how they opened up that DP slot. So it, there's definitely something there that we haven't been able to get a hold of. There's some information there that we just haven't been able to pinpoint or to clear up because that, that exit is still murky. That exit's still murky. I mean, l- let me ask you both, very straightforward, starting with Steve. Yes or no? Do you believe Blaise Matuidi is getting paid for these fan ambassador role that he's in? Yes or no? I mean, I, I mean, so, something's going on, isn't it? it must be. He knows what happens. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's all legally. Maybe they have to keep him on as, as part of the contract. I've, I've no idea. I did try and firmed something up before and, and got got radio silence. So um, it's a uh, it's a strange one. But they must have they must have cleared out the spot, mustn't they? Because uh, it's obviously ratified by the league. But of course, uh, the- absolutely. But how they went about it is. Is the question now? Mystery. Because look, go back to a few years, and this is a different situation, different circumstance. But there were a few years ago, the LA Galaxy had four DPS on their roster before the roster deadline, before the season started. I forget what year this was. Maybe 2019, give or take a year or two from there. And they had to buy out Giovanni dos Santos. They weren't able to just wave him and say, "Okay, the DP slot's open." They had to buy him out, and that's what they did. So. It's curious to me that he's no longer an Inter Miami player, no longer occupying a DP spot, but he's around the club and making fan ambassador appearances. Because I don't think he's doing that for charity. I think he's getting paid for that. And I think that's part of the arrangement, whatever arrangement it was. There's also another time I asked Phil Noble, this maybe a month ago, two months ago. I, it was actually I had I had Phil Neville one on one there, and I asked him about Matuidi, and he gave me a response, and again didn't give a direct response, but he gave a little bit more clues. I wish I had the 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 audio with me now. Maybe I can pull it up before we move on. 
But he said something about along the lines of, in this league, you have certain rules and you have to take care of your certain players and this and that. So I'm under the impression that they that whatever they worked out with Blazeman Tweedy, it required them to pay him. But it's just weird to me how they, or it's curious to me how they were able to manage or or maneuver through MLS's very complex rules. But anyway, Jose, anything you want to add there? Yeah, um, a lot. But I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> uh, listen, I think this is this is. I don't know if irresponsible is the word, but because of everything that Inter Miami has been going through at, with with the whole thing with the sanctions, that's what I'm referring to. I think, you know, they just they just need to be a little bit more careful in this type of situations and don't allow people to um, doubt the way they're doing things. And the only way to do that is to be open about it. What happened to Blaze? Why is um, Pozuelo a DP when uh, um, you already had three designated players on your roster? Can you explain that? When we ask those type of questions, <laughs> we're giving them an opportunity. We're giving them an opportunity to clear the air. So take it. Take it, because right now, around the league, everybody's doubting the way they're doing things. And you don't want to have the reputation. You don't want to carry their reputation forever. So the only way to do that is to take those, those opportunities and clear the air for everybody that is involved within the league, and that will automatically doubt the way they're doing things. And that's a sense of responsibility with your fans as well. Don't you think fans are disappointed of what happened with Paul McDonough? Fans are disappointed about that. So don't let your fans think that that could happen again. Just clear the air. That's all you have to do. Yeah, and the fact and that they you, and the fact that they won't makes it makes it eyebrow raising, right? Like the fact that they won't just say this is what we did, this is how we did it, that makes it curious. That makes it like, well, all right, then what did you guys do? It it makes it makes like me as a reporter, personally, just makes me want to find out even more. Because and, and listen, Franco, I would think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking right now, they did everything the right way. I mean, there's, to me, there's a very slim chance something bad is going Right, on. of I course. No, absolutely. Right way. But just, just, just say it. I mean, if, you, if you're doing things the right way, which I'm sure that's the case, just go out and say it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that with being open. Or at least let us know, the media, what are the reasons why you're not allowed to say to tell the full story right now? Just give us a timeline. We're trying to finish things out. In a week or two, we're going to have everything ready. Or it's going to take longer. It's a complicated situation. But do something. Allow us to inform people of what is going on exactly. And don't let people go out there in social media making their own evaluations about the situation when you are part of it and you have the answers to all the questions. So, listen, to me, Inter-Miami needs to work on that on that because reputation for the team. And you go on social media and you go through comments and people, the first thing that people 
uh, when whenever they sign a player or whenever some other team sign players, I think it did happen with the Bale signing in, in, in the LAFC. People were wondering how are they doing things and they're comparing situations to what, what happened with Inter-Miami. I think that's ideal. That's not ideal for the club and I doubt the owners want to be involved forever in those type of comments. Well, the mysterious case of Blaise Matuidi, the unsolved mystery that is Blaise Matuidi, remains that way for now. But let's move on. Let's move on because we've talked quite a bit about Pozuelo and everything that, that, that involves. Let's go to the game, the July 4th Independence Day game. It was a one-to-one draw away to FC Dallas. Alan Velasco scores for the home side in the 27th minute off of a very good free kick that curls around the wall and to the far post. Leonardo Campana comes off the bench and ties it up in the 88th minute with a header off of a Robert Taylor cross, a deflected Robert Taylor cross. This was the lineup that Inter-Miami started with, and it was... A uh, 3-4-3 formation this time. Not a, not the 4-3-3, but a 3-4-3. Now, Gregory was suspended for this one. Something we we, uh, we skipped over or we forgot to mention last week. that Due to yellow card accumulation, he was out. So they did not have their regular captain. This was the lineup. Drake Callender in goal. Damian Lowe, Ryan Saylor, and Christopher McVay at the back. The midfield four from right to left, DeAndre Yedlin, Victor Ulloa, Gene Mota, Robert Taylor. Up top, Indiana Vasilev on the right flank, Ariel Lasseter on the left. Gonzalo Higuain gets the start over Campana in the middle. Now we've touched on what the score was. We've touched on the lineup. We will get into all of that in a little bit more detail, but I'm going to start this segment or this part of the segment by asking you Jose is this the show where you finally accept acknowledge and admit that you were wrong about Leonardo Campana versus Gonzalo Higuain and who would start and Gonzalo Higuain will come back into the lineup and there's no way that he spends the rest of the season or most of the rest of the season on the bench is this the podcast where you finally admit to being wrong this is the podcast. Yay! This is the time. Will admit <laughs> Those that you was have wrong. been waiting. This is a massive moment. <laughs> and 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 let me tell you, I am happy. I am happy to say that I am wrong because um I thought at some point that you know with Iguain not being able to start then that he will create a situation similar to what happened last year with Pizarro. And so I'm very happy. I'm very happy that he recognized um, the moment and that he acknowledged that uh, Leonardo Campana is playing at a high level, that he deserves to start, and that he needed to wait for an opportunity. I think that's that's great. We can criticize Iwain for a lot of things, but this one, I think it's it's we have to give him credit. We have to give him credit, and, and I'm happy to be the first one to do so because I seriously doubt, doubt it that that he would do that. And so I'm happy to be wrong because I, I do believe this is this is a great situation for, for the team right now. I think he's still uh, um, have to offer to the team. And if they make it to the playoffs, I think he's going to play a part in it, um, coming in in the second half. 
and whenever he gets uh, the chance to start, and maybe he will do it again in July because of the amount of games that they will be playing. So um, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong, and I'm happy to accept. You were you were right. You were right, and 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 I'm happy. I'm we, happy for we Phil. I'm right. happy. For we were right. Primo was on, was on the same on the same. Yeah bandwagon as I and that's why you can hear him there cheering showing some emotion there El Primo was uh, look I think it's been clear for a while obviously that Campana was the better option and I think all this game did against FC Dallas was further underline, underline that fact because Iguain was a non-factor and he did not look good in this one now let's be fair and you know look at things from all sides or both sides. He has not started a game in months. I think April was his last start for Inter Miami. So it's been months that he, and he and his fitness probably his game fitness isn't all there. And they were playing in July even though it was a night game in very hot weather. From people that I spoke to that were there, it was very very hot. And we know Gonzalo Higuaín is not in the best physical condition. So Asking him to try to run around in that heat was probably a tough ask. However, we've touched on the lineup, or I've laid out the lineup. I think Phil Neville and his coaching staff, what they what they were doing here, they know July, and, and Phil Neville did say some of this, although not all of this, post-game. July is a jam-packed, a jam-packed month for them. They play seven games in in the 31 days that, that, that are in July. So they're practically playing... Every three, four days. At some point in this month, they're going to have to rotate players. Or throughout this month, they're going to have to rotate players. And I think this game, because it was against a Western Conference opponent, this isn't this this Phil Neville did not say post-game, but because it was against a Western Conference opponent, they said, let's do the rotating here. Because if we drop points here, let's let's say worst comes to worst. If they lose, if Inter Miami loses this game. At least they're not giving points up to a direct rival for a playoff spot. They would rather lose points or drop points to a Western Conference team than they would to an Eastern Conference team, which is a direct competitor for a playoff spot. So I think that's what went into the lineup because obviously a lot of heads were scratched when Iguain was in the lineup and Campana was not. Campana was healthy. Uh, and and he he came off the bench obviously and scores the winner. Although Inter Miami again and he, and this is where <laughs> I mean professional teams do do what they do. But Inter Miami before the game when we didn't see Gonzalo Higuain and Bryce Duke in the starting I mean excuse me Leonardo Campana and Bryce Duke in the starting lineup, we were told they had minor injuries. That's what we were told by a by a spokesperson. They both came into the game. They both played, and there was no mention afterwards. Of them having injuries, Phil Neville said that it was just a decision he made, and that you know they didn't they didn't really like it. Campana didn't like it. Campana said that post game in his post game press conference, so there was no mention of an injury there. But anyway, I digress. Because they tied the game. Because they tied the game. <laughs> but I don't think they were. No, I don't you know think they were injured. I don't think they were injured. I don't think there actually was an injury. I think it was just they didn't start because the coaching staff wanted to keep the legs as fresh as possible for what will be. A very busy month. Again, do you want to have a rotation of players when Gonzalo Higuain is starting against FC Dallas? Or do you want to have a rotation of players when Gonzalo Higuain is starting against the likes of Orlando City or Charlotte FC? Etc, etc. Exactly. You know, you you want to absolutely 
win the Eastern Conference games because that's what's going to help you more so get into the playoffs. And I think that's what went into into the thought there with, with regards to to the lineup. But anyway, all right. Gonzalo Higuain, his performance was not good. I, he could probably get better from a physical standpoint, but I, I think at this point it's pretty clear that he's practically a retired player. Or he is a retired player. He's just, or he's all but a retired player. Let's say it that way. Just a good option. He's a good option, I think. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He can't give you much physically. Like even jumping up for aerial balls to win a header, you can't. He doesn't give the team much. Before he before he was subbed out and before Campana came in, the team looked pretty pretty. I won't say entirely lifeless, but the attack was was struggling. The attack was struggling, and the team looked. In general, the whole team, the whole collective looked lethargic. Once they made those changes, once Iguain and Duke, uh, excuse me, Iguain was subbed off and Campana and Duke came on, you saw a much more reinvigorated team, a more energized team, a team that had more uh, physically going forward. And I just I don't I, I know Phil Neville's going to talk positively about Iguain. In, in in the press conferences, he's, you know, he's not going to come out and completely bash him. But I think what we can see with our eyes is that it's it's he's he's pretty much done. He's pretty much done. There's there's not much more his body his go body's that, going to give. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far because I think he can give you a solid thirty minutes. You know, um, I wouldn't say I think the energy came up once um, uh, Campana and Bryce Duke were on the field. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the energy was not there because of Iguain, because he cannot control the rest of, of his teammates. I mean, do you get energized when your goal scorer comes on the field? Then yes, but everybody does it. I mean, that doesn't necessarily blame, that puts any blame on Iguain for the first, what, 60 minutes in which the team, I didn't think, I, I never thought they, they played terribly, so... I mean, I didn't think, didn't I didn't think their first there. half was good. I didn't think their first half was good. I thought they started okay the first fifteen minutes, but then after that, I, did, I think that they they lost the 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 directness which they were playing with the the, pen, the penetrating dribbles that they were making into the final third. I think they lost that and they lost control uh, of the game a bit. But that's just my my opinion. Just four shots. I mean, just four shots in the first half. Eleven shots in the in the second half. And then yeah, team was just energized by the star guy coming on. It's just not. It's not rocket science, is it? I think, you know, Higuain is just a good impact sub or someone just to throw on just for 20, 30 minutes. And that's 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 just where he is right now, I think, in the team. But where has he... Okay, and again, I, I, I thought earlier in the year, and I said it, like I thought he could be a super sub. I still think that's his role on this team. In certain circumstances, when you need a goal, you can bring him on. But when this year have you seen Higuain, or at least after the first game... When have you seen him really deliver a very good performance where he's helped make an impact in that final third? I, I don't see it. Again, he drops deep. He looks to pick up the ball. There's no number nine when he's there. I don't I don't want to be unfair to him, but I just don't see positive contributions from him by and large. Physically, he's very limited. Physically. Physically. And this league is a very physical league. And look, he did have one good play in this game one good play, but it came off of his soccer brain, his football brain, his soccer IQ, because he was fouled around the box and he quickly got up, saw that the defense had shut off for a second, and he plays a quick 
looping pass in behind to Emerson Rodriguez, who had come in as well. And Rodriguez is open in front of the net, and he can't get the shot on frame with his right foot. That's not Iguain's fault. Absolutely not. And if he and if Emerson Rodriguez scores that, we're talking about what a heads-up play from Gonzalo Higuain. Phil Neville even post-game was like, you know, I think only Gonzalo Higuain is a player that can make that pass on this team. You know, it was a good play. It was a heads-up play, and it should have been finished, and Higuain would have gotten some some plaudits. But that came off a set piece, and that did not come from the run of play. From the run of play, Higuain gives you very, very, very little, and... I think the coaching staff sees it. I think the coaching staff sees it. I just don't think they're going to verbalize it, but I do think that they see it. Because it's clear there. I don't think, I mean, you guys can, you know, debate it with me if if you think I'm wrong. But is Iguain giving you the sensation? Is he transmitting, like, things on the field that you're like, I like that. I like what I'm seeing there. Yes, that's 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 positive, and that is going to help Inter Miami. Maybe not on this game, maybe not on this play, but... Are there are there things that you're seeing that I'm not seeing that, that give you encouragement with regards to Gonzalo Higuain? Well, I think you just have to trust a player of his caliber. You know, he has been through so many things in his career at the highest level that at some point the little things are going to start working for him. And I think you're, if you're going to be in the race for the playoffs, then you're going to need a player that is going to be able to take on the challenge of maybe scoring a goal in the last 20 minutes of the game because you need to get three points here or you need to tie this game on the road. Those are the little things, and that's where you put the emphasis on a player that is now not ready to play full 90 minutes. So that's what I come to expect from... Jose, I don't, Jose I don't want to interrupt you, but I, because you, you just touched on a very important point, and it's something else I took away from this game. You talk about the little details, right? The little details, and that's what you think will, will help him make an impact, a positive impact at some point this season there was a free kick in the first half decent decent uh distance from goal not super close but not super far close enough to take a shot which is what Inter Miami did Gonzalo Higuain stands over the free kick as does Gene Mota who took the free kick Gene Mota took the free kick not even there did Gonzalo was he Gonzalo Higuain either given the freedom to take the shot or did he command the shot so I don't even Free kick. That's one. But if he's your DP, if he's your player that's played at the highest levels, if he's, if you have to expect him to try to to at least aportar, at least contribute in those situations. That's what I think. That's what I think. And and he, to the fact that he, he's not even taking the the player that's that we considered, if not the most clinical finisher on the team, top two, top three. If he's not even taking a free kick from there. And free kick doesn't necessarily have to be finishing, but the fact that he's not even taking the free kick and Gene Mota is, I mean, that that to me speaks to the confidence that he's playing with. That to me speaks to how he views things. Gonzalo Higuain's always been a player that's been like, all right, I will put the team on my back if I need to. And I'm just not seeing... I'm just seeing a player that's going through the motions, to be honest with you. And I, I, think, he's, I think he's done. Can he score a goal later on this season that helps them t- the team win one game? Sure. Can you get another assist in another game that helps them pull out a result in, in that game? Possibly. Absolutely. I don't rule it out. It's, it's, I mean, it's, we shouldn't be debating. We shouldn't be debating whether Gonzalo Higuain um, has the confidence to take a free kick. I mean, come on. Obviously, he does. We don't know what happened in that play. Maybe Mota told him, I feel confident I'm going to score here. Let me take it. And he went, okay, go ahead. Take it. I mean, what he can contribute 
is to the mental side of the game. I mean, he's not going to be scared of any scenario in MLS, and he can, you know, he can be a he can play a part in in, in that part in in that situation as well within his own team, and that can be influential. Those are part of the little things as well. It's not who's going to take uh, free kicks or not. Then he can be a coach. The then he can be a coach. Shine. Well, he can become a coach of the field. You know, I mean, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. That would be okay if that's the way to contribute. Then do it. Then do it. I would rather have him contribute. He walks around. He walks around when he's on the field. They have one less player when he's on the field, Jose. One, it's it's visible. I think it's crystal clear. I think it's very crystal clear. Primo, you've been quiet there. I mean, does, does Gonzalo Higuain give you the sensation that that he's going to make a difference? Has he ever has he ever come close where you're like, wow, look at that shot that just went wide of the post or that hit the post or that forced the goalkeeper into a fantastic save? When is the last time we've seen that from Gonzalo Higuain? He does come on. He does show some nice touches and he's good on the ball and he drops deep and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just he's just another option, I guess, to, to, to throw on. But he doesn't... Has he been contributing massively? No, but he's, he's still, I think, a leader in the in the team and you know he's a big personality and whatever and yeah he probably has his has his faults as we've documented you know a lot over the past few months but look they're stuck with him there's nothing you can do about it so they you know they can't they can't just rip up his contract he's going to probably retire at the end of the season anyway so uh just a guy to throw on and you know and and just to try and cause a bit of bit of mayhem i guess also when he comes on and it it gives the opposition a, you know, something to think about, and you know, people look at him, and think, oh, here he is, it's, you know, their star guy or whatever. But um, not massive contributions, but probably just just enough, just and gives him another option, Phil Neville, another option from the bench, which is crucial. <laughs> okay, well, you're being very nice now. You're being very polite, Wait, let's but let's do it this way. Ninetieth minute penalty for Inter Miami. If you score, you're in the playoffs. If you miss, you're out of the playoffs. Would you trust Iwain to take the penalty? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course you trust him to take the oh, penalty. He's a penalty specialist. I, 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 now, I, I wouldn't. I, I, first of all, yeah, first of all, if that's the scenario you're giving me, then you're t- you're, all you're telling me is that Gonzalo Higuain's a luxury player. And you can't afford, and I'm especially in MLS, to have luxury players like that. My opinion. My opinion. But second of all, I don't even think I'd put Higuain to take that penalty kick. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd put him there to take that penalty. I'd put somebody else. I'll be, and, I'll be, Ooh. Ooh. and I'm being completely honest. Leonardo Campana, I would, I would, put, I, I would put somebody else. That's just me. That's my 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 opinion. I would not put Gonzalo Higuain to take that penalty kick because if Campana takes the penalty, if Campana takes that penalty, that is the biggest moment of his career. And if he and let's say you put Higuain there, right? And you're banking on that he's going to make it. But if it's saved, if the goalkeeper guesses the right way, if he hits the post, if he shoots it. Wide of the frame, which we've seen him do in Inter-Miami jersey before. We saw him miss the first one, the very first game he appeared in against Philadelphia Union. He missed it. If that happens... You will be you, tremendously disappointed. You, you as a coaching staff, you as a team, and Gonzalo Higuain will be ripped to pieces by fans and media because Gonzalo Higuain is not a player that has been... Yes, he might be the most experienced and this and that and that and this, but he's been... Ice cold this year. Ice cold. Look at his numbers. Look at his statistics. I think he has two goals on the year. I, That's I, not the point. That's not the point. The point. I is, don't give it to him. I don't give it to if, him. If it's a penalty, you're disappointed because you expect him to score from the spot to take your team to the playoffs. You expect that from him. If Leo Campana misses that penalty, it's not going to be the same reaction. You're not going to react the same way. 
they're going to be like, if he, oh, man, if he I missed, I mean, yeah, if, okay, if Campana misses. Opportunity. Uh, I mean, that's what that's the way that's the way it goes with Inter Miami right now. If you're in the playoffs, you need a penalty. You need a uh, a quality player to take on a, on a big role, and in, in a decisive moment like taking a penalty. I think you take that experience from Pepita Wayne in that scenario. If He's Campana not misses, be scared of taking that penalty against the New England Revolution. Let me tell you. If Campana misses, Jose. If Campana misses. Then, then he missed. It's a possibility to miss a penalty kick, right? That's it's one of the potential outcomes of a penalty kick. If he misses, he was your hot hand. He was the guy that helped you win so many games. So, hey, right. if you lost one because he wasn't able to deliver in that moment, then so be it. But if you're going to put in a player who has not been playing, who has not been making a difference, and you're going to put the weight on his shoulders, as experienced as he is... That, but that I, I wouldn't do question. that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I would ride my hot hand. I'd ride the hot hand. I wouldn't go with with the with the player that hasn't been contributing. That's just me though. You might go with the experience with you know him being ice cold because he's played at Real Madrid. He's played in a World Cup final, etc., etc. That that might be how you go about it. If I was the coach and you giving me the circumstance or this this scenario, I would not put Gonzalo Higuain to take that penalty kick given what we've seen. This season, just not a player that I think is at his most confident. I don't think he's in his best form, so I would not give him the penalty kick if that's you know if that's the circumstance we're playing with. And by the way, he's has six starts, twelve appearances in MLS play this year, two goals, one assist. So not not great numbers by any Real stretch of the imagination. Or a secondary assist because <laughs> I don't, I'd have to I'd have to really think about if it was a secondary or a primary, but. That's just yeah. not counter <laughs> Well, all right. Let's let's keep going. Let's move on because we've got a couple more things to talk about with regards to this game, and that is the formation. What did you think of the formation? Uh, I will start with you, Jose. Three four three. At times, it still looked like the five man backline, but I do think that the wing backs or the wide midfielders, however you want to call them here, they were in more aggressive spots more consistently. They were a little bit higher up the field than, than we've seen when they definitely played with that five five at the back. Phil Neville did even say that in his post-game press conference, saying that, you know, instead of playing with a five at the back like they normally do, this was more of a three at the back. And yes, the wing backs or the wide midfielders did come back at times. But again, I thought they were more advanced and a little bit more aggressive in terms of their, their positioning than we've seen for much of the year. But what were your thoughts on the formation? Well, I think, you know, at this point, and and this is a positive, and I'll credit to Phil, everybody's comfortable with the with the role they're playing. Now, personally, I don't agree with McVeigh as a left back forever and ever, or as Robert Taylor as a midfielder. Uh, I already mentioned that I do believe he's a winger, and I do believe that McVeigh needs to go back to the center back position, and maybe Karen Gibbs will be available at some point to start regularly for this team, and that will really benefit this team. But I think overall, when it comes to formation, everybody knows exactly what the responsibilities are. And I I, I will give Phil a lot of credit in the last game against Dallas. I think second half was was great. I, I think the timing was perfect with the uh, with the players coming in, the substitutions, and um, and defensively, you know, they were they were good. They were good. I think collectively, they they do defend really well. I think they lose the. Were they good one- or were they okay? No, they were good. They were because good. They you, we, one- we, we, I remember us what's I remember us WhatsApping about how Paul Ariola wasted opportunities to end the game. If if he scores a second one. When it's one zero, right. then then FC yeah, Dallas I mean, probably pulls out the victory, but and, and they wasted chances Dallas, to do that. 
Palace is a good team. They're playing at home, full stadium. They never play with that amount of fans in in their in their stadium, so they must have been excited. They're gonna create opportunities. They are a better team than Inter Miami, so they have to. They have to create opportunities. And yes, if Ariola scores, you know it's a different outcome. But overall, you know the the performance of the team collectively, defensively, was good. Now the one v one battles with Sailor and McVeigh, they are at a disadvantage and. Maybe against most of the teams in MLS, they will be at a disadvantage because this is a league that goes through wingers and they like wingers. Well, every league now likes wingers. So um, I think the 1v1 battles are something to work on. But collectively, defensively, I think, you know, you have to be, give credit to the players. But a lot of the of the credit goes to, to the coaching staff. Okay. I, I thought it was an interesting look. Thought, you know, Phil said they worked on it during the week. Think it's another option for him to turn to going forward, especially you know. Clearly, he likes the defensive solidity, so this helps keep that, but also make be make them a little bit more aggressive. Something that we've talked about them needing to be. He had touched on leading up to the game about a change in mentality. I thought there needed to be a change in mentality as well in tactics, and we saw that here. Primo, anything you want to add? Well, just yeah. I mean, you mentioned Kieran Gibbs. It's just a shame he hasn't been fit. For long parts of the season, because he could be that sort of attacking, sort of fullback in a in a three four three, I guess. But you know, they just haven't. Him and Yedlin, I guess, would be good on either side, but just haven't hasn't hasn't kept himself fit really enough, has he? So that's that's maybe that was something he had in mind early on when when you know they were looking at different different formations, different lineups. But you know, I mean, yeah, credit credit to at least having a little tinker, as he admitted, and um, it, it kind of kind of paid off. It, it, it paid off because they were able to find those late fireworks and they were able to pick up their fifth road point, just their fifth road point of the year. So they had, had one win and one draw. Now they have two draws, so that's their fifth point of the year. Very quickly, Robert Taylor, I think I will add, you know, I'll echo what Jose said earlier. I think his best spot is as a winger. I think Pozuelo's addition will, will help free him up to play there more. Once he played as a winger in this game, much more much different than when he was in central midfield he was able to make that difference with the magic that he had on the ball, on, on the dribble. If you have not seen the goal and you have not been able to appreciate the the moves that he pulled off there on the right wing to set up that cross to Campana, I suggest you do so because it's it's the type of exciting, dynamic play on the ball that Inter Miami has by and large not had this year. And again, go back to the DC United game where I think he had his best moments this season for Inter Miami, his best game because he was so crafty on the ball and, and, and turning defenders in, inside out and giving them headaches. I think we need to see more of that. I think he needs to play there more. I asked Phil Neville after the game. And Phil Neville did not commit to saying, yeah, I think his best spot is at the wing. He just said he's such a good player, such a versatile player, that we can play him at a number of different positions, and we probably will continue to do so. That, that, that was Phil Neville more or less after the match. So we'll see how it goes with regards to Robert Taylor's positioning going forward. But... Hopefully, for Inter Miami's sake, it's it's on the wing because he, he looks more dangerous and more impactful there. Last thing I want to touch on before we end this segment, guys, is the next game against Orlando City. The next edition of the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. The first time these two teams meet since they last played in the U.S. Open Cup, which Inter Miami lost on penalty kicks up in Orlando. There's going to be a healthy amount of fans from South Florida making the trip up to Orlando. I won't be there. I had initially planned to go, but if you follow me on social media and on Twitter, 
You know that last week I got bad news. The Sun Sentinel laid myself and 10 others off. So I will not be making that trip up to Orlando this weekend. However, I do think it will be a good game. Quickly for both of you, whoever wants to go first, what is the key to the game for Inter-Miami against its cross-state or in-state rival? Well, it's a, it's a big one, isn't it? I mean, you know, they're only three points behind now. And have also got a game in hand. So, um, yeah, Campania from the, from the start and just... Yeah, just just try and fill the gaps in terms of just trying to create as much as, as as much as possible, and then just continue to work on that solid defensive defensive work. But it's a it's a big game in terms of the standings for sure. Jose, I would say it would be re- it's going to be very important for Inter Miami to get off to a good start. You know, maybe you can feed off some of the energy left from the Open Cup game. That was a that's frustrating for for Inter Miami to go out that way. Um, it, it was to me maybe the start of a of a rivalry, and so we'll see how it goes. But I think it's going to be very important for for Inter Miami to get off to a good start and to, do not allow to go a goal early. Um, I think that that's that's going to be key. Inter Miami is in ninth place right now. Orlando City's in sixth. So interesting matchup for the table. Quickly, do you guys think Inter Miami or Phil Neville should go back with that three four three, or or should they go out with a different formation? Go back to Jose. Um, and we have to take into account. No, you have to you take have to into. We have to take into account. Sorry, you have to take into account that Ariel Lasseter, your boy, uh, is hurt. out yeah. for this one because, or likely, excuse me, out for this one because he suffered an injury that forced him out of the game against FC, against FC Dallas. He did not train on Thursday. And Phil Neville said during Thursday's press conference that it's likely that, that Ariel Lasseter misses this weekend's game. They're hoping that he can be back soon, but we didn't get much of a, a timetable as to how you know how, how soon he'll be back or what the severity of the injury is. But taking that all that into account, what formation should Inter Miami go with, Jose? I, I would go with a 4-3-3. I think they have to be a little bit more conservative here. Um, I mean, it's it's a big matchup, uh, and and like Phil mentioned a, a few weeks ago, um, if if they cannot win this game, just make sure you at least get a point out of it. So I think that's going to be important. It's it's a six point game basically. It's very close in in the Eastern Conference, and so um, yeah, you, I think you, you need to be a little bit defensive minded at least early on, and then see how things shape up. Primo, what formation do you think Inter Miami should come out in? Should should they yeah, stick no, with I... the three four three or should they go back to the four three three? It all depends on on who's available, doesn't it? But I think yeah, I think Jose's right. Just going a bit bit more on the dependable what they're what they what they're used to. But remember, Dallas were in great form, weren't they? Um, you know, going into that game and yeah, all right, they they took the lead, but then they didn't really create too much too much afterwards. Although you know, Inter Miami didn't really create enough until Campana came on. And they you know, they changed it around a bit, so um, I think yeah, with the derby game as well, just you know, just to keep it tight early on, and then just try and hit on the break. I think that's what they're good at. I'm torn on this one because I think there's enough enough signs there that I think it might tempt Phil Neville to go with the three four three, but he could also very easily, given that it's an Eastern Conference game, like like Jose just perfectly mentioned, it's a six pointer as they call him here in MLS because it's a direct opponent for a playoff spot. We'll see. We'll see if Phil Neville is going to be a little bit more attack-minded or if he reverts back to 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 chalk or goes back to the median and, and ends up being more defensive-minded and goes f- with the 4-3-3. Three, three. So let's, we'll see. 
we'll see how it goes. Maybe he goes even more defensive and he goes with actual five at the back this time. And, and those wing backs are, are dropped further. But we'll see on Saturday night. If you're going up to Orlando, have a heck of a good time. I really wish I was going. I really ha- I had planned to make it a whole weekend. I was going to go to the Epcot on Friday. I was going to go to another theme park Saturday during the day. The water park, what is it called? Um, the new one, Volcano Bay. And I was planning to go on Sunday after work was done. Go to like Islands of Adventure. Just because I haven't been to a theme park in, in years. I don't know if you guys have been lately. But I haven't been since even before I moved back from New York. So... It'll have to. It'll have to wait for another. One day. day one day, mate. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do a Miami Total football field trip to to a theme park during the off season. Maybe. Um, okay. Well, look. We're in the playoffs. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll get together in the playoffs. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, hey, I thought you said Inter Miami's not making the playoffs. I'll say so. What, 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 you know, country. Yeah, yourself. that's what I'm saying. You're oh. not going back this year. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we've talked for a while. Let's take a break. We will come back with the Q&A session and our final thoughts. We will do that after this. Okay, guys, it's technically Q&A time, but before we jump right into that, there's a couple things we need to touch on, starting with Edison Ascona. I reported for Miami Total Football's Substack, which, yes, is back, given that I no longer write for the Sunset. No, I am now able to, once again, write for the Substack. I started back uh, last year, so after a four-month hiatus, we are back. I wrote a welcome back post if you want to check it out. Again, miamitotalfootball.substack.com. But I reported earlier this week that Edison Ascona is set to go on loan to El Paso Locomotive. He's looking for more playing time. He just helped the Dominican Republic, uh, the under-20 team, make history. First time they're going to an Olympics. First time they're going to a U-20 World Cup. So I know Andrea on the last pod talked very good things about Edison Ascona, and obviously with good reason. Now, we are trading Andrea on this segment, or we're trading Jose and uh, and El Primo, Steve, for Andrea. So we're doing a little switcheroony here, bringing Andrea back into the fold. Andrea, first off, how are you? And, of course, what do you think about Edison Ascona's loan move to El Paso Locomotive? Hi, Franco. It's nice to be back. Uh, you guys could only afford five minutes of my time. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. You're getting but expensive. You're getting expensive for us. I'm getting expensive. I'm getting expensive. I'm an influencer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, and I am glad that we get to talk about Arizona Scona because, um, well, you guys heard what I said last week. And then um, the Dominican Republic um, made it to the Olympics and made it uh, to the World Cup. So it, it was a good showing for Arizona Ascona. They lost the final, but a lot of the players, uh, of their regular players, didn't start, obviously. And um, I think if they wouldn't have lost by by the margin that they did, I think the player of the tournament would have been Ascona. But of course, uh, Aronson scored in the final, and they and they scored all those goals, so they got uh, almost all the awards. But um, I think Edison Ascona is taking uh, a good decision in his career. I would have liked him to go to another team, 
maybe in Mexico or in MLS. But I think it's a good step for him. Uh, it, it will help him mature to go to USL. Many of, of, of those players that were on the under 20 from the United States came from USL. Now they are in MLS teams because that's what MLS does, takes talents from <laughs> USL, from NISA, from NPSL, and also from academies and brings them and bring them and bring them to 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 their first team after they they have been spending years on on other places. So I think for Edison Ospina, this would be a good move. He's going to be a starter in that team. He's going to be able to help and to get rhythm that he doesn't have, unfortunately, with Inter Miami, and that he will not get in MLS Next Pro. I will talk about about that in my final thoughts a little bit later. But I think it's a good move for him. A better league more playing time and hopefully we can see him getting that chance that he deserves based on his talent. The sneak peek at Andrea's final thought. So like I reported earlier this week, just to clarify that he will join the USL championship team, El Paso Locomotive on loan from Inter Miami. However, that right now is on hold until he recovers from the ankle injury that he picked up at the under 20 CONCACAF championship tournament in Honduras it prevented him from playing in that final which Andrea mentioned but did not say the score the U.S. beat the Dominican Republic 6-0 so I said a lot of goals right? <laughs> you said you did say a lot of goals but you didn't say the score some people might not know what the score is it was five or six so I didn't want to say five and made a mistake make a mistake well I, that's what I'm that's what I'm here for I've got you I got your back like but yes so Escona did not play in the final nonetheless he still had a good tournament he was named to the best 11 of the tournament for for CONCACAF or from CONCACAF um and obviously this move will be done once he's healthy so that he can get minutes because he needs minutes he needs first team minutes and he hasn't been getting that with Inter Miami this year alone he only has one appearance in MLS play for 15 minutes. In total, since he signed the homegrown contract in 2021, he has played in MLS five games for a combined 59 minutes. So not an abundance of playing time for him at Inter-Miami. You know, I, we touched on that last week, and I've told you in other conversations, I think he's deep on the depth chart. So I think this is obviously a good move for him to to get the type of playing time that he's looking for. Curious to see how they use him because he's been he's played in different areas. You know, with Inter Miami, he's been playing on the wing primarily. Yeah, but he can play as a ten. Can, he can basically because of Phil's philosophy because right, the he every right. player. <laughs> he he does that with wingers, but he with Ascona we've seen him and also with Pizarro that he transforms also midfielders into wingers. <laughs> right, they haven't played with a, a really yeah. a true ten. Very rarely have they played with true ten. Sometimes Pizarro, occasionally a few times Iguain, and then obviously Federico Iguain played played as the ten. I think Federico Iguain was like probably the most natural ten that they've played with since Phil Neville's been been the head coach but anyway all right let's move on that we'll keep an eye on for when that is official let's move on to the q and a session and we have quite a few so uh let's just let's just tackle a couple because i don't want to go too long on this one and i can't afford <laughs> to keep andrea around too long because she's charging very very high prices no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding that's just a joke <laughs> by the way andrea i think i have a nickname for you i think i've got one what is the nickname? Ajicito. 
Ajisito. I think I, I think I think I like that. I mean, now if you don't know what ajisito means in 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 English, it just means like uh, spicy sauce, spicy sauce. Yeah, I mean, aji would be the proper word, but ajisito just to to make it sound a little a little nicer. But yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, I bring the sabor to the podcast. Of course, you got you bring the seasoning, the spice, the flavor. We like that. We like that. Hey, I told you that last week. I was like, I like that Andrea brings brings the brings the heat, brings the heat. But okay, so. Q&A time. Let's start with Don Cafecito. And that's because he asked or addressed you directly, Andrea. He says, gracias, Andrea, on willing to ask Phil a question in Spanish. On that note, para mis queridos catrachos, Andrea Llanes y Jose Armando. Por favor, ayúdame a escoger mi próximo plato de comida, pollo cebeño o baleada sencilla. Okay. There, there's some Spanish for you guys. I mean, he's asking Andrea to, and Jose, but Jose's not here, to choose a hunter and plate. He gave two. Andrea will pick one. Don Cafecito. I cannot choose. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm going to recommend something, though. Get the pollo ceibeño and get the baleada as dessert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Those are one of my two favorite dishes. Um, They are the best. And I've been meaning Don Cafecito to take Franco to eat a baleada because if you believe it, he was born here in South Florida and he hasn't tried a baleada. That is unacceptable. So I'm starting the campaign now. Jose is on board. Now Don Cafecito is also going to be on board to take Franco and eat some baleadas. But uh, all joking aside, Don Cafecito, get get the, the pollo ceibeño if you're having lunch and get the baleada as a dessert or get it for later. Or if you're like, getting dinner, get be a little bit mindful and get just the baleada <laughs> just for dinner. But thank you for, for, for the question. And claro que le vamos a seguir preguntando a Phil en español. <laughs> well... It's not my fault that none of my hunter and friends have taken me to eat either of those dishes. It's not my fault. You know, if my hunter and friends would invite me or just tell me, hey, we're going to go there. And if you want to meet us, you can come, you know, then I would be more than happy to try these. But since my hunter and friends that I have do not invite me, well, then it's not my fault. But anyway, anyway, we could. Continue- I, I want to clarify that it made a bet with Jose. I don't know if it was official or not, but <laughs> he, he made a bet. And I'm going to try some Peruvian food. But I'm going to take Franco to try some baleadas, courtesy of Jose, me, and Don Cafecito, because clearly Don Cafecito is a very intelligent person and a very intelligent person when it comes to food also. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Let's continue on because we have a few more questions, but uh, let's try to just do a couple more. Dosno says, with the addition of Pozuelo, are we a legitimate contender or just a playoff team? I think with I think with Pozuelo, they look to be a playoff team. I don't know if they are or aren't yet. I have to see it on the field. Obviously, he's talented. But I think they look to be a playoff team. I don't think that they're in the contender category just with, with one more piece, especially uh, given the lack of overall goals that the team has. Yes, he, he should boost that department, but he's just one player. I 100%. 100%. Okay. They may, they, they, uh, he makes them a playoff contender to go not like on fourth place third place but in the place that they are now the bottom half of the teams that qualify for the playoffs team doesn't have enough depth as you were saying and one player won't change that yeah now 
Let's do one more. Uh, we'll, we'll group them together. And actually, yes, I want. I want. I definitely going to group them together because I always thought initially, until you confirmed it or you, excuse me, you denied it, that this was a relative of yours because his last name is spelled just like yours, but it's not. And it comes from Eric Yanis, and he asks, "It's too bad," or he says, "It's too bad nothing fell for Iguain against Dallas. How do the additions affect his playing time for the remainder of this season?" Despite what Cinco may say, Campana should be the starter. And then Sack Neville says, "Why haven't we released Iguain? He's completely ineffective, and combined with his poor attitude, he needs to go smoke elsewhere." Okay, so. Mostly about Iguain there. Two questions about Iguain. We we dove into into the into what I think and what what we think earlier on the pod, but I'll just wrap it up with they haven't released Iguain because they banked on they had to keep one of the two, him or Matuidi. They banked on keeping Iguain. I imagine they thought that they could get some same or some similar level of production as they did last year. And obviously that just hasn't hasn't proven to be the case. So, you know, it, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been a great year for him. It hasn't been a great year for the production he's given the team. But that's, you know, they can't, you can't just cut in MLS, as, as I'm sure a lot of you know, you can't just cut all your DPs oh, and, and, and yeah, and, and just, and just start from scratch there. It, you know, if they have, hey, they have guaranteed yeah. deals and if they want to stick around, you know, it's, it's tough to, to break that contract. So as, as for his playing time, I mean... I think with these options that are coming in, I think it, 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 it definitely doesn't help him for more playing time, I don't think. I think it, it, it either stays the same or it hurts his chances to see the field. But that's just my opinion. But all right, uh, last one, last one, last one. And it comes from Sal Paradise. Franco, do you think there's any realistic chance Miami signs Jesse Lingard? Supposedly he's talking to two MLS teams. Could we get him on a TAM deal until next season? So uh, Sal Paradise, this is not information, just my supposition. I would say no, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Just based on what I imagine, and again, we don't have the numbers because MLS is very complex with its salary budgets and all the rules and everything. We don't have uh, an idea of what Inter Miami's salary cap budget or salary budget situation is right now. I imagine they have to be close to, to maxing out because they have you know constraints, they have sanctions, and they've signed players. They just got a DP on board. I can't imagine they have a, a lot more flexibility. They, they're planning to sign Harvey Neville at some point when his visa comes through. So I just can't imagine that there's a ton of allocation money left for them to to sign someone like Jesse Lingard. Just don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, that does it for the Q and A session. Final thoughts, time, Andrea. But before we do that, I have to say we have a winner. We have a winner for the jersey giveaway now this is one that i said would not be part of the lottery and it is jeffrey Poole who sent a very nice touching and warm video and i was like you know what i wouldn't even put this one in the lottery because jeffrey deserves a jersey and i've never met jeffrey Poole, so before you there's always there's always a few out there that'll be like oh this is rigged or this and that like I've never met Jeffrey Poole in my life. We've exchanged a couple of DMs over the last few seasons, um, not many. And then he sent me the video, so I, I liked what he sent. I told him he's one. He's got one. He just send me your size on on, on Twitter, and I will and I will end your address, and I will get that over to you. Now I will say I will say this. I will say this. I had initially planned. I had initially planned to get the new pink jersey 
for the winners of the of these contests or these free giveaways. However, given my current employment situation, I don't think I should be financially irresponsible. Um, so I will probably go for one of the jerseys from the first season. So either the, the hair and white or the La Rosa Negra. Now, those are obviously a bit plainer, probably not as exciting, but it's still free. It's still free, and they'll be the authentic ones. So it won't be the replica version. They'll be the, the authentic version. So just let me know what size. As for the lottery, we've got a couple of got a couple of entries. I want a couple more. I want a couple more. So we give, we'll do it one more week, one more week. Last Absolute last chance to send us a video, either on, on Twitter or on Instagram or a message. It doesn't have to be a video. Just send a message. Saying what Miami Total not- Football Radio. Yeah. All, any, any of that works. Any of that works. Just saying what Miami Total Football Radio does for you or what, what we provide for you, whether it's our opinions that you absolutely despise or just the entertainment that we and the information that we can provide, just let us know. Next week, absolutely, we'll do the lottery. Whoever's in it is in it. Whoever wins, wins. Okay. So, final thoughts, Andrea. My final thoughts, I wanted to say, what is MLS? thinking with those new MLS Next Pro rules. They are dumb. They don't (laughs) need to change football. They need to give these players an authentic league for them to develop and for them to play seriously. Seriously, tell me what team, what serious team in the world will come and sign players from a league that is developing young men like that with all those rules that already they were so bad but with the two that they announced this week are even worse so please explain MLS. the rules explain the rules and explain what they are really quickly because some listeners might not know what you're talking about the rules well mlx next pro is implementing two new rules one of it says that if a, if a player is injured and he spends more than than 15 seconds on the field he has to be taken out of the field and needs to be out of the field for at least three minutes and the other rule is that if you get a red card they already had some dubious red card rules but now if you get a red card you don't pay the suspension on the next game but you will pay the suspension when you meet that team again in the future that's yeah that's i mean listen to me when i saw those rules and and jose sent it to me in a very frustrated message on on whatsapp i was like it's just mls trying to reinvent football reinvent soccer in the way that it sees the game how the game should be played is time wasting and feigning of injuries and exaggerating of it an issue Sure, sure. I think it's part of the game. Uh, you know, both teams do it. Players need a breather. It's part of the reason why they do it. They also want to enfriar el partido, which means, you know, cool off the, the, the momentum that one team might have. So I don't have a big problem with it. I know plenty of people do. But this is what I feel like MLS is just trying to. And also, they have the dumb shootout rule. That right, is, and, and MLS Next Pro. That's right. how you go to, to shootouts. It's not even called penalty shootouts. So they need to be preparing these this, uh, young men 
to play, to be able to play. What if this, now you're going to get, uh, when a player comes from USL, you're going to get a player who already knows how to play professionally. But if a team wants to get a player from MLS Next Pro, you're going to get a rookie like you get from college because college also has dumb rules. And now MLS Next Pro is has rules that make it even less enjoyable than college uh, football, college soccer, or however you want to call it. Well, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if these rule changes make them players any less prepared. I mean, probably a little bit less prepared, but I don't think it has a huge impact. I just I just do think it's. I agree with you that I think it's unnecessary, and I think it's just MLS trying to experiment at a lower level to see if these are rules that it can implement at a higher level later on, because that's just how it sees the game. And MLS constantly does this. It constantly tries to be. Uh, the, the trendsetter and and the and the different league that's trying to to lead and be a, a, um, a trailblazer in certain in certain ways. So yeah, I agree with you. I think unnecessary, especially the red card one. Like, what if you don't play that team again till next year? What is that? Is that pl- what? And what if that player leaves that team and goes to another? Like, I I, I think I think that one's pretty. I think that one's pretty pretty the foolish. Like the other one, I could see an argument for. The other one, I get an argument for. Yeah, I get that people don't want to lose. Don't want to waste time. Exactly. I get the argument for that one. But you have that like in hockey. They do that in hockey. But this isn't hockey, though. Darn it. This is not hockey. Come on, MLS. I get mad because the MLS always goes and steals from the NBA, from the NFL, from uh, now the NHL, and they try to implement it in football. They should follow. So and then they want MLX Next Pro to be called a professional league and to be called they they applied for for it to be uh, to have a status and 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 they want to make other leagues that are in that division that are more professional uh, get away like they did in NASL. So I really don't like it. I really wanted to mention that because I think in the long run it 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 will it will not help players because and it will not help them because it's more impactful for a player to go to USL than to come through the academy and then get a chance in MLX Next Pro to play um these matchups. But really it would be more interesting for a player like, uh, like, like in USL that that are also getting chances to get to, to go to Europe and to get to uh, national teams like the U20. Um, uh, all these uh, MLS teams are buying from USL, not from an MLX Next Pro. So uh, in the long run, it's gonna hurt the players. It's gonna hurt the league, and it's something that you should get people who are football people you should not get executive ex-executives from mlb from nfl from nhl because football is a global sport football already has its rules football exists in all the world and and all the leagues have their different rules but basically you have some presets that are accepted all over the world and that in all the world they are the same so mls doesn't need to keep doing this please this is why we are going to start calling you Ajisita. Look at that. She she was worked up and everything. But no, I like, I agree that there's definitely my credential now. If if you don't see me in the stadium, guys, you know it was because of this. <laughs> well, look, I, I agree. There's definitely a cultural thing there. It's like an American cultural, like you know, we want to play the 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 beautiful game the American way, and I definitely think there's an American lens there that that makes 
decisions at times for better, at times for worse. And I think this one, this time is, is for worse. But anyway, my final thought is on some information I was able to gather today. And that's on Matias Pellegrini. His loan has expired with Estudiantes de la Plata. He is technically on the books of Inter-Miami as of today. However, given that they bought him out last year, he is not eligible to play for Inter-Miami. So, Inter-Miami, not MLS, is working right now on trying to find a solution for him. Whether it's another loan, whether it's a transfer, they're trying to find him his next home. Because right now, he's technically, his pass technically belongs to MLS slash Inter-Miami. And, you know, one possibility that's that's starting to surface is Real Zaragoza, Jorge Mas's other team. Maybe that's somewhere... Matias Pellegrini will go. But do not expect him back at Inter-Miami. The only way he could come back into Inter-Miami is if Inter-Miami sold him somewhere and then that team sold him back or Pellegrini came back as a free agent later on in his career. He cannot currently, under the current deal, play for Inter-Miami because he was bought out. But anyway, that's just some information I want to share with you guys. And that does it for this week's show. It was another healthy one, another long one, but... We appreciate you guys sticking around till the very end. We hope we entertained you and informed you as we always try to do. We will be back again next week to recap the game against Orlando City in the latest edition of the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. So, for Andrea Yanes, for Jose Armando, for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Fútbol Radio.